I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Welcome to another edition of the Glover's Cast. Now, after Friday's podcast, we got a little bit of grief for being a bit down in the dumps for a home draw against Weymouth. So we're going to try and mix it up today and be a bit more positive about a home draw with Solihull Moors. Well, at least that's how I think it's going to go anyway. But here to join me is a man who exudes positivity from every pore, Mr. Ben Barrett. Say hello, Ben. Hello, Ben. And... The like-for-like replacement for Lawson Diath in the BBC co-commentary <laughs> position. We're not sure if he does look after the ball as beautifully as uh, as Mr Diath, but uh, he's not a former Reading youngster, but he is Ian Perkins. Hello, Ian. Hello, Dave. Thank you for that intro. There you go. Right. Well, now you... Uh, I am within uh, two broadcasting, uh, you know, titans. So I'm just going to sit back now and, uh, and and hand over to the two of you. I think before the season is out, we have to get Dave on. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I, 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 I was asked this question, I think, by Clevo on Twitter. And I did say, uh, my, I think people know by now that you two are the tactical analysis. And uh, Lawson obviously had the benefit of being a professional footballer as well so I think all I've got left is being able to swear at the referee <laughs> if you want me to sit next to Sheridan or whoever and swear at the referee I'm more than happy to do that but I'm not sure the BBC are going to like it 
go. You heard it here first. More than happy to. That's what we'll <laughs> yeah, take <laughs> Well, yeah, if they yeah. want me to. I, I, I can't promise. I no, just more than happy to. That's all we need. More than happy to. I'll there cut that bit about yeah, swearing at the ref out so that you know, there's, there's the call to arms. Have either of you watched Ted Lasso on uh, Apple TV? Yeah. yeah. Negative. No. You know that... Oh, they're... Ben, you are missing out, mate. It is tremendous. Yeah, everyone says that. Who has the time? It's, uh, well, yeah, you, you have the time to... I, I don't know how you have time to breathe, Ben. But, uh, but yeah, there's a character on there called Roy Kent, who goes from being a player to a, um, a a pundit, or in the last episode I've watched, he's becomes a pundit, and he basically goes on Sky Sports News and Fs and Jeffs with Jeff. So, um, yeah, that could be him. He's based on Roy Keane, uh, yeah. the Roy Kent character. Um, yeah, brilliant. You know, I never noticed that. Oh, but, yeah, well, you're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there he is. Clues <laughs> in the name, surely. Yeah, yeah, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? There was someone I thought called... I, I, I thought he was John Terry, but anyway, there we go. Yeah, not that John Terry's ever sworn <laughs> TV. Anyway, we've gone massively off track here, haven't we, talking about Ted Lasso? But, so, uh, are we going to be a little more positive about home draw um, than we were the last home draw that we discussed? Ian, is it on expectation a point gained on reality, two points dropped? I think it's a... Before the game, we'd have all taken a point, wouldn't we? Yes. Um, And I think, on balance, I'm happy with the point because it was a really tight game. It was quite a good tactical battle. Um, The Solihull team started out with a a 3-5-2 or whatever, and then at half-time, they shifted it. And they did change their style of play. And I think after that first 15 minutes where we were really under the cost, Grant Smith had to make, I think it was the one save he did have to make actually in the end. Um, After that, we became, um, we grew more into the game. And I think part of that was down to the replacement of Lawson Diaz coming on for Jordan Barnett because it felt like we, we gave Solihull something to think about when Lawson came on because um, he just goes in these pockets of spaces that weren't there or that, that Jordan Barnett wasn't finding. So I think on our, our performance, we, we got better as the game went on. Um, and then, you know, having played three games in seven days, the, the legs did get tired towards the end and Solihull had a few more chances. But in terms of clear-cut opportunities, we had obviously the Charlie Wakefield guilt-edged one-on-one just before half-time. And then Sabara had a header at the back post, which I think if that had gone to Dallas or Newton, perhaps the story would have been a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, it could have gone either way. So I think a point I think a point was fair. They they were a good side, Solihull. I thought they moved the ball nicely. But as as we found our feet after the first quarter of an hour, I think we more than had enough. I think the midfield, having Josh Staunton back and having him paired with Dale Gorman again, um, I was a bit worried about shifting to a three and then going to a four in like a flat four, but it, I think it worked really. I don't know about you, Ben, but I, we were obviously listening to the two Ians on the commentary yesterday and I don't think I really heard Josh Staunton's name mentioned very much. 
I can't I can't remember thinking, oh, he's back. What a what an influence he's been. What what kind of a game did he have coming back, Staunton? Um, he's only been out for two games, isn't he? It's not like he's been out DF levels. He just, I think it's more his presence in the midfield and the way he organises other players around him. He did do it. I think he made a, a couple of blocks. I mean, there were moments towards the end of the game where we were, you know, when like Chiellini screams at other defenders when Italy stop a goal or Juventus stop a goal. It was like that between him, Wilco and... Barkley and and Williams, there was some really, you know, it was almost like they just wanted Grant Smith to not have to get mud on him at points. <laughs> you didn't have to save this, Grant. We'll stop it. Um, yeah, I think it's just that physical presence because as well, he's a big, you know, he's a big bloke. It's a bit different having him in there than it is having Matt Worthington or Jordan Barnett in a three. Like he's a physical presence to get round and get through, and he just shields the bat line in, in that way as well. Tell us a little bit about the Wakefield chance because I haven't seen it. I was looking for it uh, earlier on this morning on BT Sport, but apparently the FA Cup seems to take precedence for them so they don't bother with a National League highlight show. Should he be scoring? Or is it one of them where he's just had too long to think about it? Uh, both. <laughs> I think he should have scored. I think when you're... It, it was a good little bit of build-up. We held the ball nicely, and then Knowles just picks it up just inside our half and plays the ball through. Wakefield's pretty much on the halfway line, and it, you know he's so quick that he, he just runs onto it, and he's got he's pretty much got the whole of their half to run down in on goal. And you know it felt like as the... <laughs> As it gets closer to the goal and the space disappears, you could just feel the confidence draining from him the closer he got. Um, and then, yeah, he puts it. It's a disappointing shot, really. It's low. He doesn't really get a lot of contact on it, and it's quite easy for the keeper. He closes him down, but doesn't really... Um, it wasn't a difficult save, I wouldn't have thought. But I, I feel like he should have scored. I think if that's... You know, we can we, we always talk about old players and we can get annoyed about that, but... Reese Murphy probably puts that away. Um, but, you know, that's where we are. We're asking a player who we signed as a right midfielder to score one-on-ones in high-pressure situations. But I think what I did notice about Charlie after that is it felt like his confidence, that did rock his confidence a bit. And he struggled to impose himself in, in the game. Um, it wasn't until probably... 70th, 80th minute where he started picking the ball up again and running at defenders and running with it, which is what, you know, which is what he's so good at. Uh, so took him a little bit of time to get over that. And I think just after that as well, he, he could have, Knowles could have passed him the ball. It was a two on one situation. Wakefield was in the middle, a little bit similar to the one at Wrexham where Worthington played it to Wakefield and he fluffed his lines then. Um, it was almost that situation where if Knowles had, found a better pass it was Charlie Wakefield was sort of in on goal again right in front of the keeper and so there was a couple of moments there where you think if one of those goes in and we defend like we do in the second half that's that could have been three points I mean he did that at Woking uh, Charlie Wakefield broke through it sounded on the commentary like he was further out yesterday against Solihull than he was against Woking so maybe he had even more time to think about it but that was a 
uh, a, a lovely finish uh, in terms of well, the one at Woking was a lovely finish. Yeah, and do you know what? I think he was really central. Mm. Whereas I think coming in on an angle, the keeper has a little bit, feels like a keeper has to get his positioning really right on an angle to like, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of how Omri used to just slide it in the corner lovely, which is a little bit like Wakefield's finish was yeah. against Woking. Wakefield and Omri, they're <laughs> yeah. the pot, aren't they? <laughs> Whereas this one was, you know, he is straight in front of goal. And as the keeper comes out, that goal gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Whereas I think when you're coming in on an angle, I think it's, I think it can be a little bit, let's not say easier, but um, easier. Easier. <laughs> it sounded like they were playing, and I saw some comments on um, social media that shall not be named, that we were playing quite long. We were kind of playing quite long ball towards Wakefield and Knowles, who, as we know, neither of whom are centre-forwards by by trade, but uh, or, or they are trying to be. Was that is that fair? In the first yeah, time? I think we were. There were... we. In the first half, we were definitely bypassing the midfield, and look at—we were looking to get it in over the channels. Like we, you know, we did that against Weymouth to try and get Wakefield on the ball, and and we were trying to do that. But I don't think the conditions—I don't think the conditions helped because it was that typical windy day at Hewish Park where you don't really know what direction the wind is. Like all corner flags were all blowing in different directions. They, none of them were, which I heard it referred to. Yeah, none of them were going, wind. Yeah, none of them were going the same way. Um, so it was like, I, th- I don't think the conditions helped. And I mean, I thought yesterday, as the game wore on, I thought it was a game for Yusuf to come on and actually bother the two centre backs and do that work that professionals seem to like, but. <laughs> non-professionals think it's a bit of a pain. Um, I think. Those their two defenders when they changed to a four and they had two centre backs, I felt they needed something a little bit awkward to contend with because it was it was easy for them to be winning those headers. I mean, Reed did Reed did okay. We only found him a few times, but when he did have the ball, he he seemed to um, keep it away from their two centre backs. But yeah, I it's weird, isn't it? You know, on Tuesday we were a bit annoyed at Yusuf and yesterday I felt like it was the game for him to come in and ruffle some feathers and you know against his old club as well he might have been up for it a bit were our hands tied a little bit we assume Barnett has a as well we know Barnett has an injury and we assume that Mark Little probably wasn't a tactical switch it was probably a return to fitness switch we only really had one tactical switch in us by the end of it unfortunately sort of played our hand that we had to go with one or the other yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, I don't think the manager would have wanted to make... Well, he definitely didn't want to bring on Lawson Diath after 20-odd minutes. Mm. But at the same time, I think bringing on Lawson Diath probably made us better. I don't think we play as well as we do with Jordan because Barnett was sort of on the right, so it was almost like an inside forward. It, it felt a bit awkward with him there, to be honest with you. I didn't. It didn't feel quite right. Um, maybe that's just me wanting a right footer on the right hand side. Um, but I thought Diath just opened things up so nicely. I mean, the manager, you don't often hear the word, the manager say beautiful about things, do you? But he seems to get it out all the time for Lawson Diath. 
And his, the, the way he just picks up the ball and he's always positive, he always wants to go forward. And he also always, no matter who's around him, he's that type of player who wants the ball as well and will take it off of someone and, and start doing things. So ironically, I think giving him 70 minutes is actually beneficial. It'll be beneficial for him and beneficial for us because he's, I didn't think on Weymouth, as a, although he showed you know little bits against Weymouth, the 20 minutes I don't think is long enough time for him to really get going and do what he can do. Whereas I felt yesterday that was a nice amount of time for him to be able to impose himself on the game, um, make a difference, get used to some of the players who he's not played with as well. And, you know, he did tire towards the end. His game sort of went it went up and then came back down again as he, as he tired. But, you know, I think that's probably good for Lawson to have had those 70 minutes and yeah like you say it did restrict what we could do um yeah i thought we'd bring on sunny to be honest with you so i was a bit surprised that we did bring on lawson at that point saving him to tear uh, wheels to a uh, a new one on tuesday night but i suppose that's one thing about df playing that long isn't there man just said it after the game didn't he that unlikely his body will allow him to do too much on tuesday yeah, who knows? I mean, they always <laughs> he always says this, and but the player says I'll do it. And that's what he, I think he said that about Lawson, didn't he? Yeah. And he asked him if he could do seventy, and he said yes. <laughs> so, but they always do the same way for Staunton. I think Staunton probably wanted to play against Weymouth and probably wanted to play against Woking as well. Yeah. If he if he'd been allowed to. What did uh, Barnett's injury look like? Was it? It was an ankle, wasn't it? I think yeah, it, it was fairly. <laughs> It was fairly innocuous. He went down. He went down, and it wasn't particularly obvious what had happened. Like it felt like maybe rolled an ankle, yeah. um, and he sort of hobbled on for a little bit. And then he he blocked a cross, and it was one of those where the ball was pretty much kicked right at the ankle that he just hurt. Um, and then he he was sort of signalling. He was doing the universal symbol for take me off, please. Um, which just seemed to go, seemed to be ignored. Right. <laughs> um, and then a couple minutes later, he just sits down and forces the issue a little bit. Um, we weren't particularly well. No one was coming back to the bench to to come on when he signalled. So I think I think we perhaps wanted him to try and play through that and and get through it, but. No, he wasn't. He was obviously in quite a lot of discomfort. And I think the manager said after his ankles swollen up, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, he did, yeah. So that was, yeah. I mean, that's a pain. Um, but I don't think we're seeing Barnett in his best position at the moment. He's sort of, if he's shoehorned into right midfield like he was yesterday, it's not not the best position for him. But we're still persisting with Williams at left back, despite having left backs. The manager did say pre-match, didn't he, that he wanted, when I asked about Jordan Barnett further forward, he said he liked him against Bournemouth playing on the right, cutting inside. Mm. And so I wonder if there was a bit of that that he wanted out of that game yesterday. Um, defensively then, I again, another thing that I asked was whether or not we were going to get a defensive game and we got a very defensive game in the end. But are they going to be really pumped about keeping this strike force out? because that's a good strike force. And to give away 
minimal chances for Grant Smith to have to make one save and for them to miss one other opportunity. That is a real boost of confidence. It's got to be after leaking a goal against Weymouth so early, after making a mistake there about, about, you know, going through a couple of games where you haven't been so good. And then that run of, of defeats, that's got to feel like a real step in the right direction. I know it's not ended in a win, but for that back five and those that came on around, that's really got to be something to build on, hasn't it? I think so. I think we, I, I thought we, I feel like we've turned a bit of a corner mm. going from losing those in a row. And, you know, if you take it back and you think, um, if we draw at Woking with 10 men, beat Weymouth and draw at Solihull, we're probably happy. And we've got the same points total from that, just in a different combination. Mm. Um, I think the Weymouth one was a bit of a gutter just because it's Weymouth. But um, in reality, you know, that's been a good three games, really, in terms of a points total. When you look at Solihull going into the match with however many goals in the last four games, like double figures and, and Dallas doing what he's done. I mean, he hasn't had a sniff yesterday. He, he's We've kept him very quiet. Go on. I was say, was that a Wilkinson thing? Uh, again, not a, not a name that you heard an awful lot on, on on commentary, but again, I imagine he was probably in the middle of. It was it was all of them really because I mean, there was a lot of the time that Wilkinson was up against Danny Newton, right? So, um, yeah, it was largely Barkley and Williams who had to deal with. Dallas specifically in the second half. Um, there was a bit of a sharp intake of breath at one point when a cross came over and Dallas was in behind um, in behind Barkley and didn't seem to realise, Barkley didn't realise he was there. Uh, but other than that, yeah, he didn't didn't get a lot out of him. So that was, you know, that was, that was positive. But we, we sort of know we can do that, don't we? I mean, it was our, the, the game yesterday was our season in a microcosm. Defend really well, spurn a decent chance, not create a lot more, and there we go. I mean, that's why we've got scored 25, conceded 25. Yeah, and you mentioned there about keeping strike forces out, and I know we've, we've said this before, but you look at some of the strike forces in this division that we have kept quiet, say Dagenham, Valanta, Halifax, Waters, Stockport, Madden, uh, Wrexham, Mullin. I think it's probably only Chesterfield, maybe Grimsby, maybe not Grimsby. Oh, and Notts County, probably. Well, I'm listing a lot. We have, but we, <laughs> we, we've and now Dallas. Well, Dallas, we've kept out twice, haven't we? So, um, you know, a lot of these strikers that are scoring a lot of goals, um, we've 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 done well against them. Which, as you say, we know we can defend, don't we? And we know we can't score. So, probably didn't learn anything. Going, wasn't it? <laughs> I think even against Weymouth, though. What striker have they? Got? We can no, but we conceded this goal that came from a mistake, and that's the, the one of the other things. I think was it ages ago. I think wasn't it? The manager said we need to not make any mistakes if we're going to win a if we're going to win a match. You know, he said the strikers need to score, and we need to not get anything wrong at the back. And the Weymouth was a, game was an example of that, really, wasn't it? We cocked up, they scored, then we had to chase the game and we could only score one. Mm. At least we have a striker. <laughs> yeah. 
It was interesting you mentioned about Quigley again yesterday, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, you think yeah. he misses him. Yeah, didn't want to lose him. Didn't want to lose him. And Clearly, clear as day, didn't want to lose him. Well, didn't want to lose him and not be able to get anyone else in, I would probably yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah. yeah. Talks about uh, having to figure it out from within and the cavalry's not coming. Yeah. Well, short of chucking... Benjani Jr. or Ollie Haston up top, and that ain't gonna happen anytime soon. Then, um, yeah, a lot of pressure on those on those front boys. There is a lot of pressure on them at the moment. Yeah, and and I mean, on the subject of the cavalry, and on the subject of who's going to finance the cavalry, uh, the uh, wasn't many people with you uh, yesterday by the by the looks of it. One thousand nine hundred and fifty-five. <laughs> I'm guessing you weren't included in that uh, that total win. No, I wouldn't have been. No. Um, yeah, I was. It was interesting. I got a text from Rob Madley of the quiz um, after the game, and he just said how oh, it felt really flat, and the atmosphere wasn't there. The players felt flat. The crowd felt flat. There was no real. I hope the ground was flat. <laughs> no real buzz there. Um, obviously, I didn't really pick up on that with headphones and all the noise going on in my ears. So. It, it there was only I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I heard "Ale Ale Ale" and all the the usual stuff, the usual soundtrack to our matches. So there there was obviously something there, um, but it didn't. I don't know. It felt watching the game. It felt like a quite a. It felt like a good game. It was a nil nil, but it was maybe that's because I was having to properly watch it and study it. <laughs> <laughs> to well, talk about it, that you know, there was a lot of tactical battles. They weren't given an inch, we weren't given an inch. It was, yeah, it was really tight, but it was, it felt like a reasonably decent quality game of football. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't crap. Um, but yeah, the drop of, you know, what's that, a drop of 1500? Yeah, with 3,936, it was against Weymouth. So obviously, there were 600 Weymouth fans, I think. Yeah, no, five hundred. I think there was less. Yeah, so it's about fourteen hundred less people from a Tuesday night game. <laughs> yeah, against Weymouth. <laughs> yeah, the people would have turned out. Home fans would have turned out for Weymouth as well, wouldn't they? And, and you know, and that's you know, that's like ticket sales and commercial, isn't it? If you win that game four 0 you probably get a few more people come on the following Saturday. And that's and you know another reason why it's important to win those games where you've got a decent crowd. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if the statement on Friday, which made a difference, which you know I think I can quite. I mean, I think we all support the need to say something about some of the behaviour that's been going on, and I, I hope people aren't conflating it with. They want us. They want people to stop chanting about Scott Priestnell because I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's what that statement was. I mean, it can probably be read that way, but for me, it's about the pyro and the inappropriate chanting that has been levelled at people on the pitch. I mean, I know people are calling Scott Priestnell that as well, but I think it's a wider thing about the general chanting of that um, particular chant. 
there was a comment there, again there was a comment on social media wasn't there about oh well what do you expect if you ask people uh not to not not to sing and dance but yeah, i think like you say it's just uh, understanding of what is acceptable not that i think people dance on the terrace <laughs> yeah i mean it's not about it's not about singing and dancing is it it's about it's about it I want forcing to see people dancing now i want to see dancing on the terrace it's about forcing people to inhale smoke bombs. Right. I wonder where you're going with that, yeah. When they don't want to. <laughs> you know, like, why it's about putting that on other people. And I've no- I noticed on Wednesday, they kept the lights on in the home terrace. So the lights on the side that are in the stands went off, but they kept the lights on in the terrace. Um, and I think there's a... It feels like there's probably a concerted effort to keep an eye on what's going on now because I think there was a smoke bomb against Stevenage. Um there was one at Woking from the Oval fans at Woking, wasn't there? Yeah, I think there was one at the ho- another home game as well. But there was also one um I think Bournemouth set one off when they scored against us as well at one point. So it's it's this whole thing where it's not Yeovil Town. It's not just Yeovil Town supporters, or you know, a small minority of Yeovil supporters who are being divs, it's a wider societal thing. <laughs> Maybe lockdowns turn people into knobheads. <laughs> <laughs> we'll blame it on lockdown. Poor old lockdown <laughs> gets blamed for everything. But, yeah. But the, the manager now refers to us as being back on a, a mini run, he said, rather than a run. But it is drawn two and one one in our last three. Obviously, you need me to be there to get the win. But do we think <laughs> that's a, that's a run? Three games that feels like a run, doesn't it? It's a it's a foundation of a run. It's not a run if we go and lose against Wilson on Tuesday night. Well, no, because that would end the run. <laughs> that would end the run, but you wouldn't look back on it at the end of the season and go, oh, that was a nice little three-game stint, wasn't it? You want, you know, yeah, if we, we, had if our... we then beat Wilston and then suddenly it's four unbeaten and then five and six and get a win and do this and do that. I mean... I'm just going to look up the dictionary definition of the word run and I imagine there would be something <laughs> like that in there, wouldn't there? So uh, you, are, you are kind of saying it's a run here, Ben, I think. I think it's more of an interruption of our de- <laughs> oh, of the <no>. defeat. <laughs> it's more of an interruption, run, it's an interruption of, a run. of a defeat. Right. Well, when will it be? You know, at what point does it become a run? You well, know, that's like what you I'm said. asking. Yeah, <laughs> I said, I said, two ga- If you say one game is one game, two games is back to back. Back back is back to back. Yeah, and then three games. Surely that's got to be the starting point of a run. It's a warm up, and then you get into the run. <laughs> All right, okay. Right, so we're just stretching out at the moment. For me, yeah. For me, a run is win, 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 win. That's a run. That's just a funny noise, I think. An unbeaten run, then. It's certainly a better, a better spell of form than six defeats in our pre six games prior to that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. when you look, I promise positivity at the beginning here. We don't want to get told off by Chris again. Now, come on. I mean, I, I think, like I said earlier, I think I'm happy with. I would, I'm happy with our points total in these games. It might not be the order of how we wanted, or it might not be the order in which we wanted the results to go. I think we would have liked the win against Weymouth, um, but a draw 
you know, a draw, a win with 10 men against Woking was, was a good result, isn't it? I, I, I think, I think this sets us up nicely for two, what I would call winnable away games at Wealdstone and Eastleigh. And if you can back up five points from three games, scrappy, turning the corner, all the rest of it with two wins of which I'm not going to lie. I'd quite like Tuesday to be a little bit more convincing than a one nil scrappy defend the Alamo style victory. (laughs) Then actually, if you get five from three becomes eight from four becomes 11 from five, then yeah, you are starting to think, hang on. Yeah. We're back feeling good. We're back keeping clean sheets. We're back doing what we do best and what was so successful pre-Christmas. So really good. But a bit like the start of the season, we talked about being defensive and being hard to beat, and then the rest would come. But we now need to have the rest of it finishing off because, yeah, we need to start turning draws into wins. And Dale Gorman says it's not far away. Dale Gorman says that this is a, a bit of a base in which to, to, to build on and go to Wealdstone, who I don't think there's going to be an easy game against Wealdstone. Um, They've had a couple of games off. We've played twice since they've last played the Weymouth and Solihull games have both come since they lost against Grimsby. But let's not beat around the bush. Wellstone are in pretty shoddy form. And as such, we should be going there thinking about trying to win and win by a couple of clear goals. So back up these results with a win, maybe two. Chuck Easley in there as well. And yeah, we'll look back on this as a, as a decent little stint. Very much so. Last time we played a team that was in terrible form, that was Weymouth. Last time we played a team that was in really good form, that was Solihull. Yeah, but... And now uh, I'm being negative. (laughs) Their only recent wins have been over Dover. They played Dover twice in this little festive, busy period. And they're the only wins. Yeah, they've conceded goals, conceded four against Stockport, three against Bromley. They've lost to Halifax. They lost to Needham Market. And all the best teams do that. Um, (laughs) I think... I think Woking got a couple it, against them. It's um, one of those games where, for me, it's like, it's Wildstone. We're Yeovil Town. Like, we, should, <laughs> we shouldn't even be in the same league as them. <laughs> we should be putting them away. And like you said, we should be putting them away by a couple of goals. And I don't necessarily think that would be the case because it hasn't been the case all season, particularly. Um, and who knows what's going to happen to the you know, to the players between now and then, if there's any injuries, we know Barnet, you know, we might have a, another one happen on Monday. Two or three, didn't he? He said two or three things to think about. I think he said after the game, the money. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's now, it's going to be Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday again, Saturday. It's a heck of a run on. Carries on. It carries on, by the way. Yeah. We don't get a Tuesday off for quite some time. Saturday the 8th, uh, sorry, Tuesday the 8th, Saturday the 12th, and then we go to the following Saturday against Dagenham, but we've we've weirdly got the uh, Somerset Premier Cup in the middle of there. So, yeah, um, we do have a game, and you think some of the guys are going to be involved in that. Dagenham, then Maidenhead Tuesday, Chesterfield Saturday, um, before we get a proper break. So it's not until after Chesterfield where we get a full, proper, clean week. Yeah, March. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a lot of effort, a lot of um, lot to ask for from a small squad, which has been the case all season. 
definitely. Which is why I think getting the wins in against the teams like Wilsden and, and like Eastley as well, who are looking over their shoulders more than they're looking up. Yeah, big six points here. It means you can go to Dagenham and if, or not go to Dagenham, welcome Dagenham. And if things don't quite go your way, you're kind of okay with it. And you've got a little bit of buffer. You've got a little bit of credit. So yeah, big, big couple of games, big, big week coming up in terms of, of, of what this back end of the season starts to look like. I think, you know, on a, on a positive note though, that having Lawson play that time and also Mark Little as well, mm. playing, um, I think he had about 70 ish minutes, maybe 80, um, on Saturday, and again, he, he didn't do a lot wrong. He was his typical vocal self. And I think the more we see of him, the better that is for this team as well. We've sort of not particularly missed Dan Moss since he's gone, I would say. I think we've been quite lucky that Little's come in and done all right. Yeah, that says a lot about Mark Little. Because we rate Dan Moss big time. Yeah. I don't think he's really played for Leighton Orient, has he? Dan no, he's sat on the bench, I think, behind Tom James. Tom James playing now, is he? I think so. He was, I think he was out uh, injured for a bit. But but yeah, can we have him back? Well, no, we don't want him back, apparently. Don't need him back. <laughs> we could have him back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm, if you're offering, I'm not going to turn it down. But it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a, like, weird position for him to be in obviously he's come from such a good run with us so then go you know, obviously Millwall have made the call to give him a try in a uh, football league club but not quite clicking saying that he did play yesterday from I just I just looked at oh, right. and 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 he got booked <laughs> well there so, you go yeah against uh, against Colchester but uh, also notice Otis Khan is playing in that team so I guess if Otis Khan can get into a team Otis Otis yeah <laughs> sprint <laughs> uh, so do we go on to questions or is there anything else to discuss do we discuss um, elected members of parliament in the crowd is that something to discuss <laughs> well he was on the other yeah. side from you, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Um, Mr. Fish. I imagine he's not spent any time writing a letter, although no. he probably probably should. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah. Who knows what he was doing there? Yeah, but Glenn Glenn, Glenn Collis was there though, pictured, so he's alive. So that's good because he's yeah, he's always, he's always at the home games. His social media account would suggest that he's he's no longer with us. But, uh... <laughs> It's good to... Well, and if we know one thing about social media, it's whatever is on yeah. there is... <laughs> well, it, I can't truth. remember what he says when you look at his account. It's something like, there is a problem. So uh, <laughs> it's good to know there's not a problem anymore. But yeah. Well, okay. So yeah. Just... Um, yeah, I don't, know what, oh, I don't know what was going on there, but... <sighs> guess is, your guess is as good as mine at this stage. Yeah. Nobody um... says nothing. Although yeah. I... Julian had to reiterate yeah. the similar sports statement on Friday. Um, it's a statement, not a statement. <laughs> so, uh, we, we wonder on. I, I am getting to the point that, you know, I think I'm going to wake up with nightmares about the term due diligence. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we had it with Koo Higgs bid, and now we're due diligence again, and it just feels like a. Oh, it's just a 
phrase that can get in the bin, isn't it, really? <laughs> I mean, it needs to be done, obviously, but can we find another way <laughs> of saying it? Yeah, how much Should... of it needs to be done? Yeah. Okay. So questions? Can we move into questions? And I think ben, we should. Do you have anything else to ask about yesterday? Don't. Uh, yeah, I do. Ian, did you just did you enjoy your BBC debut? That's a question. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry, Clevo, but sorry, yeah, Ben has asked it on your behalf. <laughs> sorry, mate. Uh, yes, I did. It was good fun. Um, yeah, I had a nice time. Hopefully, the listeners did. I think uh, Nadine Dory's appearance in the morning certainly set me up to not be the worst person on the BBC um, yesterday. So, <laughs> yeah. that, that was your benchmark, was it? That was the yeah. bar you set yourself against. I thought as long as I didn't ask, why are you asking me that question? <laughs> yeah. to the, You're uh... going to play some nice stuff, aren't you, Ian? <laughs> why? Why are yeah, you asking well, me that question? Yeah. We are in communication. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Next <Please>. question. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was yeah that was the benchmark, and I f- think I was above that. So yeah, I'll take it. There you go. <laughs> You'll be doing more then. You'll be doing more. Well, if they invite me along, I won't say no. There you go. Lovely. Well, well let's not talk about where this puts everybody in the rankings of things because I think we got Marcus back on Tuesday night, haven't we? Yes, we Wilson. do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We won't say where. It, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on. Right. Questions. Harry Eaton about yesterday's game. One point gained or two points dropped? Both. What do you two? What do you two think? Both. I'll um, give Ben the tweezers for the splinter, and I will say <laughs> one point gained. On expectation, one point gained. On actual performance of what it sounded like. I'm actually going to go two points dropped. <laughs> you still answering both. I said both two. <laughs> two points dropped. Two points okay, dropped. Okay, right, right, okay. Uh, I think going into it, I think it's a point gained given what Solihull were doing before they played us. And and uh, would it be, say on performance, and obviously I wasn't there either, so what do I know? But they didn't sound like they played it that badly. In fact, in the first half, their their Twitter account was talking about how they were all over us. And I know that their Twitter account, but yeah, they were they were in the first first sort of quarter of the game. Mm. Um, they certainly they were moving the ball around nicely, but then we started disrupting them and breaking it up. And then in the first half, uh, in the second half, you know how uh, we when we start pressing really early in the second half, like we did against Bournemouth and got that goal and I think we did it against Wrexham when we nearly scored as well. It was a lot like that. We didn't really let their defence breathe when they were trying to play it out. I think they they really did try to play it out quite a lot. Um, The one thing that they did change, so when they had wing-backs, they were always looking for that diagonal um, from left to right or right to left for the wing-back who was really far forward. And we seemed to be all right defending against that. I think I said yesterday, I think we did all right against Halifax at home when they played like that. Um, Wrexham away. So we... Maynard that started on the left. Did he start on the left for them? Maynard? 25? No, it was Cranston was left wing back. Maynard was... In the first half, Maynard was in the back three. And, oh, that's um, right. Maynard Clark went... was right back. And then in the second half, Maynard sort of sat in front of the back four. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think about about the reverse fixture, and I think that was exactly the same. I think Cranston started in that left wing back position and was just spraying diagonals all over the shop. And we were we were praising him to high heavens because he was putting in a heck of a performance. Then got himself sent off, and I think Maynard went to do a bit of that as well. And I I was impressed by Maynard in the same role. Yeah, and obviously he got sent off again yesterday, Mr. Mm. Cranston. And I think I was um after the game I was chatting to one of the stewards and he said Noel's done him dirty there um <laughs> apparently had hold of his hand Noel's had hold of mate of um Cranston's hand and sort of pulled his hand down and then Noel's fell down and sort of got this second yellow card because it looked like Cranston had gone over the like top of him like pulled him down let's hope no solly old fans are listening because they were they were gunning for tom knowles at their place weren't they ben when he got cranston sent off there as well so yeah i think there was definitely a bit of uh yes history there the uh yeah it was a it was a lad ball wasn't it that got sold just before the transfer window his challenge was probably more worthy of a red card on that day on knowles straight after the red card than the actual red card it was Pretty horrific, actually. And he was lucky to stay on the pitch. Well, he didn't stay on the pitch. He got subbed about four seconds after. So I think the manager knew he was a lucky boy not to be down to nine. So yeah, yeah it wasn't. It wasn't particularly a bad tempered game, really. It was. I thought the referee didn't have a lot to do in terms of you know tackles and you know scenes and handbags and all that sort of stuff. It was quite. I thought it was a good. I thought it was a good football match. I thought it was quite an enjoyable watch. Fairly inexperienced referee as well. That was only his second national league game. Ever, mm. he did all right. We got we got another one on Tuesday as well. Who is it's only his second National League game ever. However, his reviews are not quite as good. <laughs> oh, good rule one. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I've, I've broken rule one before the match has even happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I did see, and I'm gonna. I, it's, it, it's not a hashtag GCQ. But Mac Ravelli did tweet something about an hour ago. Um, the referee is Aji Ajibola. Um, he's an absolute, so this is a, a tweet of somebody else's opinion. I've seen him ref many times at Tombridge Angels. The man is an absolute clown, one of those who likes to think the crowd has turned up just to watch him. He was due to ref the Dover versus Knox County game, but he called it off because it was too wet for him. He's doing Wilston versus Yeovil on Tuesday. He's only completed, I've had a quick check of the uh, stats, he's only completed one game as a National League official. Uh, that was a one-all draw between Altrincham and South End. Sorry, Aldershot and South End. Right, one to look forward to. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, our question from Cleve, well, question for Cleaver and Dan Johnson. See you both ask, where was Alex Bradley out of the squad, but no mention of him? Don't know, was he no, there? <laughs> no keeper on the bench either. No, All I mean, we had, we've got, yeah, we had five on the bench, didn't we? So, we obviously had more forward thinking options in um, Sonny Lawson, Addy, yeah. and Ruben Reed. Um, and then Jack Robinson had to come on as well. So I think he's just, uh, I guess the manager knew that Mark Little, well, this is the whole thing, isn't it? The manager knew Mark Little wouldn't complete the whole game, but he didn't want to, he doesn't probably see Alex Bradley as a right back anymore. So he knew he'd move Morgan Williams to right back and then, Bring Jack Robinson on at some point. Um, it does seem strange to me that he doesn't see Alex Bradley as a right back, but he does see Morgan Williams as a right back. 
when Morgan Williams is a centre-back and Alex Bradley has played most of his career at a right-back. I mean, I'm not a manager, obviously, <laughs> but that does seem odd to me. Yeah, I mean, I think there's... It feels like there's a... a I don't know. It feels like there's a, a feeling growing about Morgan Williams. Um, it's yeah, like... <clears throat> yeah. Oh, should we to ask the question? Let's ask the question, yeah. Okay. Is Morgan Williams really our best option at left-back? His ability at centre-back is good. However, at right-back or left-back, I feel he is questionable. Why not use Robinson? That's from Dan Johnson as well. No, I don't think Morgan Williams has done anything wrong at all. I don't think he's put a foot wrong. Manager says he's in the form of his life. Yeah, playing for us. And I think, yeah, he's a centre-back, but... You know, we're not. It's not like we're conceding goals. I think the only thing that lets us down there. There are a couple of situations yesterday where, if you'd had like a Robinson or Barnett coming from left back, they'd have been able to get forward and maybe cause some problems going forward. But we know our priority appears to be um, don't concede, keep clean sheets, and hope we nick something. And I think that's what playing Morgan Williams at left back gives us because we. No, he's just chances are he's just going to sit there and defend rather than go forward and try and cause problems at the other end of the pitch. Um, I just think, uh, and when we were attacking, it's almost like it's a concerted effort to get it down the right with Mark Little when Mark Little plays rather than go down the left. And I just think, um, <clears throat> just think that's how we play. We, we'd rather have three at the back and let one of the fullbacks go forward than to sit back and let both fullbacks go forward. And, and when Robinson came on, Williams sat in at right back and stayed narrow and Jack Robinson was the one who got across it in or went a little bit further forward on the left. It's just the way we're set up. It's keep three defenders back rather than two and let the fullbacks bomb on. I mean, I would love to be able to do that, but we don't. <laughs> Yeah, strange, isn't it? Very strange. And on, I, on Bradley, Ben, yes. uh, um, the manager mentioned him, didn't he, in his pre-match press conference? He said he was on the cusp, on the cusp yeah. of of doing the same things about that that Worthington's done and right. others have done about their brains working and going, <laughs> slowing down and all the rest of it, and and getting to the point where they can do what they need to do. Um, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I am a little bit confused about Bradley. Because in the same way I love seeing Jordan Barnett play further forward, surely Alex Bradley is a better suited backup central midfielder. In the same way I love seeing what Morgan Williams has done at both left and right back, surely Alex Bradley's a better option as a rounder peg and a rounder hole. When we went to the flat four, I was convinced he would be a part of that on the right side, and he wasn't. Um... Yeah, I'm just a bit confused about Alex Bradley because everything about him last season, he was one of our most consistent, easy, solid, four and a half out of seven, four and a half, four out of seven, kind of halves, four out of seven performances each and every week. And for him just to disappear off the radar, it's confusing. And what appears to be by nothing more than just unfortunate circumstance. And it is a bit weird because we're going to have tired players. <laughs> we already have tired players. And yet we've got some someone that isn't kicking a football for us. And that's just a bit confusing for me. He came on for when Barnett went off at Woking. And I think he, I'm right in saying he came on for 
a brief spell against Weymouth as well, didn't he? Like, <clears throat> yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I don't it's, know. it is odd. I thought he'd, after last season, I thought he'd be yeah. such a important player for us, really. But yeah, it almost really. like we signed, we signed little, and that's almost <laughs> that's been it. Even though Little got injured, we then decided to sign another right back. It's just all a bit odd. Yeah, very uh, odd. Very, very odd. He's maybe it'll be say, a, it'll be a quiz question one day. I reckon it'll be a quiz. It might be a quiz question, but he'll uh, he'll have to take it out on Cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> That's the big one, right, Nigel? Get that written down. That's a quiz question. Um, a question from Paddy Horsington, the OG. Um, who admits that he is going to lose his OG tag if he doesn't remember that hashtag. So uh, <laughs> he put it in, but I did have to remind him about it. He asked, who was Darren Sarr's assistant on Saturday? There was no Nick Crittenden visible, am I right? He wasn't no, there wasn't. I we could only... Nick Crittenden, did we, on, uh, on Friday's podcast, but he was involved against Weymouth. I can only assume it was John Cena because I didn't see anyone. Do, 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 do. Doesn't mean anything to me, anyone who's wondering <laughs> how that means. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Something there was no one there. there. There was no one there um, other than the, the usual faces. So, yeah. And and, and again, against uh, in his pre-match press conference, Ben, the manager said, well, didn't sound overly optimistic about finding someone who, what was it, wants to come and live away from home for four nights a week and for four and do it for three months. The cavalry's not coming. No. <clears throat> okay, right. If anyone uh... has a white horse outside Jewish Park, let us know, won't you? Yeah. Um, okay, other questions. Ed Turnbull, um, who is our most underrated player? And he answers Dale Gorman. Who would you say is our most underrated player? Ben Barrett. Am I? Brilliant. Crikey. <laughs> Jeez, that's back to goal, co-commentator. Never seen, didn't see Perkins with his back to goal yesterday. So, um, Underrated. Okay. I'll go off the, the play that I've seen and the performances that I've seen. And I think, I think Jack Robinson deserves more credit than he gets. I saw him in the Solihull away game and he was outstanding defensively absolutely outstanding and again he falls into the category of i'm a tiny bit surprised we haven't gone with him as a permanent left back option if we're going to be using barnet further forward um for me he's the first name that came into my head that i feel i feel like i'm i'm absolutely chuffed that he's with us till the end of the season i really am and i hope he's got a big part to play because i think in the times that i've seen him he's been bloody brilliant ian perkins Hmm. I'm not sure. <clears throat> we got so few players, I don't know how we can underrate any of them. I think William, like we've seen quite a lot of them. I think Williams, I think Williams is underrated. Um I think I might agree that Dale Gorman is one of our more underrated players. Um I like what he does. I thought yesterday he had another good game. Um and again, I think that's because he didn't have to take any free kicks or or take any silly shots. He was doing his, you know, he was doing <clears throat> that type of job where he keeps the ball ticking over. He was challenging it at the right places when the ball was 
breaking free on the edge of our own box and he was doing that you know that type of dirty work that can go under the radar um I don't know we've seen we've seen quite a lot of them so it's hard to answer that who do you think Dave I was going to say Williams as well, but a similar way to Ben was based on um, what I've seen of him. He did really well at left back at Wood Wrexham. Did um, really well at centre back at. Uh, I saw him at Yates. I saw him play centre back somewhere else. I can't think. Oh no, no, no! I'm telling a lie. It, it was um, left back again, again at um, uh, at Woking. Did um, he did really well there as well? So yeah, based on the few times that I've seen him, I'd say Morgan Williams is underrated. But again, I wouldn't disagree with uh, either Robinson of what I've seen of him or um, uh, or Dale Gorman either. But I'd probably go to Williams if I had to pick one, and I do. Okay, I have to pick one, yeah. Yeah. Um. Next question, Harry. Eaton asks, on the latest Glover's Cast podcast, you referred to the small amount of wins at Hewish in the last eight or nine years. How many of those wins are under Darren Sahl? Oh, I don't know. Without adding them up. I'm, ask the other questions. I'm, I'm trying to look now. All right. Okay. All right. I, I won't include, I'm not including behind closed doors, obviously. Right. Okay. There's only one... There's only one other question, but it comes from Colin Yorkshire Glover. Now, it's a this question may need a bit of context adding to it because, and Ben, you were there to hear it in the press conference before the game. But did Darren Sahl say, refer to something about, he was asked a question about the ownership of the club and he said something about selling his house, didn't he? Did he say, if it's my house, I can sell it or something like that? I can't remember what. Yeah, he was suggesting that he has nothing to do with the business of purchase selling of the club in the same way that it's none of his business. If it was his own house, he would be entirely down to him and he has sole control over it if it's, yeah, so that it's Scott's house Scott, in that metaphor. Yeah. Right, okay. So Colin asked, if you own a house, don't you usually work to improve it, make it more comfortable to live in and, in short, add value? How does selling your best striker, shrinking the academy, failing to replace staff who leave fit with improving the club? Well, I think first thing to note is that 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 is is Scott's thing, not Darren Sahl's. I think we get the opinion that Darren Sahl is frustrated at selling Quigley, whether or not it's good financially or not. Um, he got another mention in the post-match yesterday, um, whilst I don't think Quigley came off the bench for Chesterfield yesterday. Um, so I think that's that's a question not necessarily... I think that's borrowing Darren Sahl's phrase, but I think it's actually aimed at higher above. And and Colin's right. Colin's absolutely right. You do look to improve your house. We had a wind. We had a wind issue here at this. My house blew a fence over, so I had to pay to get someone to come put it back up again. You do you look to improve it. You look to redecorate occasionally. You look to uh, extend once or twice. Maybe do out the loft. Maybe buy a twenty dollar season striker. I don't know. Whatever your house needs. Um, <laughs> I could do with a twenty goal a season striker, actually. Yeah, Maybe, yeah. Put him in the loft. Insulation. Yeah. <laughs> Shamanga in your loft. Like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Go up there to get the Christmas tree down, right? Kabongo. Yeah. You need anything? No, I'm fine. <laughs> so yeah, I think Collins. It's 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 absolutely right that Colin makes that point. It's exactly right. Um, but I don't think that's down to the manager. I think that's entirely down to Scott. 
who yeah. clearly made no interest of improving his house. At this point, as supporters, we are literally like Abe Simpson, old man yelling at Cloud, aren't we? Because we are not. We are, yeah, and it's a little <laughs> bit Groundhog Day, isn't it? Like, part of me is kind of bored about moaning about it now. Yeah. Like, I don't really know what else to do. We've done the impassioned speech. We've done the angry moany side of it. We've done all kinds of bits and pieces. So we agree that question is absolutely valid. It's absolutely valid to be aimed at Scott, but Scott's in Ireland or Turkey or wherever he is. He's not listening. So we are angry man, angry old person yelling at cloud at the moment. And until someone does something about it, we will continue yelling at the clouds. I think I'm angry old person, aren't I? You two are angry, slightly younger persons. <laughs> you okay. said that yourself. Well, just you so go. you know, just how was your stats rummaging? <laughs> I hope I've got this right. Um, this is a very quick. It includes cup games. Somerset Premier. Not Somerset Premier. Oh, Almost like you don't think it counts. <laughs> uh, so I think you'll be surprised by this number. So in the two seasons where supporters have been at games, because I didn't include lockdown because no one was at them, so they wouldn't have been able to see them or experience the, you know, the elation of a win. Uh, we have won 16 times at home. In one truncated season and one half a season. Yeah. How many games is that, though? Because I feel like we haven't actually, because we didn't play a full lot at home in the first game, in the first season. And we've only played half a season this year. We've only played 10, 11 at home. So if that's 16 wins from 35 games, I don't, I don't hate that. It's, it's not amazing, but it's middle of the table doing okay. Uh, I'll have to count that. <laughs> Can you tell we're prepared, um, listeners? Can you tell we are always on the ball with our preparedness? We'll do some research. We'll get Nigel to do it. We'll get Nigel and have a look. We'll get someone to have a look. We'll have a little dig about. Try and split some up. Yeah. We had a hell of a run of wins, didn't we? We had a hell of a run of wins. Sorry, I'm just looking at the results from 1920. We had one, two, three, seven wins in a row. Is that right? How many at home, though? That's the, that's the killer, isn't it? One, we did two, have a... three, four of those were at home. Yeah. Nice. Okay. No one wants to just hear me counting. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that was wow. Yeah, seven wins in a row. We'll seven be more prepared. We'll be more prepared for this one, Harry. We'll we'll do the actual research and come yeah. back on Friday's episode with the actual how many. We yeah. probably won't include Somerset Premier Cup. Sorry, lads. Um, unless Nigel's got them, in which case we can. I think he. I think he. Might. Yeah, probably will do. We'll ask him. We'll ask him. <laughs> okay. Is, is that, that is that enough? <laughs> is that enough? <laughs> is that a question to the listeners? Like, that is a question. Have you had enough? enough? For you? <laughs> Are you not entertained? <laughs> that feels enough. Yeah, but I think you know. I don't know if we're. I don't know if we're down or not. Maybe it's just because it's early on a Sunday morning and I'm tired. But I felt like yesterday was a, you know, in the wider context, yesterday's a, a decent result. I think a, a point against a playoff team. Keeps us within touching-ish distance, doesn't it? Seven points, the gap is still, so... Only seven. Ten, I think it is. Ten. Ten. 
Oh, is it? We, we, we've got games in our hand over some people above us. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, I did. I did notice yesterday. Um, the other Ian did get one of his stats wrong. He said they were in ninth and seven points ahead of us. They're not. They're in. Well, they're now in sixth and ten points ahead of us. He was confusing Solihull with Dagenham. Uh, but makes very little difference. But yeah, ten points to them. Ten points to the playoffs. Wrexham lost again, <laughs> and are forty-six points in seventh. Yeah, and we dropped down one place to twelfth. Because Torquay beat Wrexham, didn't they? And uh, went above us. Yeah. Are we in win them all territory? <laughs> We're not, <laughs> We're not now yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another podcast. Yeah. That's another... Maybe we'll <laughs> talk about what... winning them all when we won at Wilston, shall we? I'm, I'm yeah. going to say, let's, let's reconvene in a week's time with not having 36 points on, with having 42 points on the board. That is the same as Dagenham, uh, as they have now. And I'll tell you what, we'll feel a darn sight better about it then. Because I feel quite... I'm a bit the same as you, Ian. I'm tentatively quite positive about that yesterday. And I feel like I, if we can build on that yesterday, that's a really big point. So really, I'm trying, I was trying to scroll through the results because I feel like we've been here before where we've kind of gone, it's quite good, but um, is it good enough? And what does it mean if we slip up and whatever else? And Tuesday's big and Saturday's big. But just before that run of games, we drew a couple of very average fixtures, I seem to remember, pre-Christmas. Trying to find them very quickly. It might it was a Solihull game. It was a Solihull game. We beat Woking and we felt like that was fine. And then we went to Solihull and scrapped out that nil-nil and then built on that. Dispatched Yate in the cup and then Eastley, Dagenham, Bromley, Dover. You know, we just went on that incredible run. And so I've got that same level of cautious optimism about it all where Let's go on again. Let's go and do Wheelston and do Eastley and suddenly we'll be sat there thinking, hello, this is back on. There you go. What better way to end? There you go. <laughs> You're an hour and a high. Yeah. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, guys. Bye. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.